This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, is there a lot to discuss today. Um, Donald Trump, I think, threw Laura Ingram absolutely under the bus when he was talking about uh, the debates, which, by the way, he's going to go have a hamburger. I'm not making that up. He's going to go have a hamburger. He doesn't need to, uh, he doesn't need to worry about uh, the debates He's got them. So while they all prepare, um, while they all prepare, it looks as though he doesn't need to. Holy cow. That, and I want to make a plea to you about Sean Hannity. We go there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. I am, uh, I'm so glad that you have tuned in today. Uh, yesterday, do we have any of the audio? Is it even worth playing, the Sean Hannity stuff? Do we have audio from that yesterday? Yes. Um, uh, we have is it worth lot. playing? I guess so people understand, in case you didn't listen to Sean Hannity. I want you to hear this. Go ahead. To the rest of you all out there, let me just say, whether you want to hear it or not, I don't care if you're Wall Street Journal, some people at National Review like Jonah Goldberg, National Review in general. You know, with all due respect, both my kids are pretty competitive athletes. And one of the things you learn being an athlete is you got to learn to be a gracious winner and a good loser if you lose. You can't be a sore loser in life. And some of you people are acting like sore loser, crybaby, bad sports. As if that's what this is really about. Stop it. Well, it's not. Stop it. Not about that. Stop it. Pick your toys up and go home type of people. Now, my promise to my audience in March of 2015 was I'm going to give as much airtime to all the candidates on radio and TV and let the people decide. (laughs) <laughs> and they decided in record numbers, Donald Trump. And then okay. I said in March of 2016 that I'm going to support the nominee, and some of you are going to be emotional, and I knew that this was going to happen. Well, let me just say to all of you, and that includes the commentator class, that includes the Jonah Goldberg class, that includes Jonah Goldberg class. You know, radio talk show host Glenn Beck is like on a, it's a holy war for him at this point. Mm-hmm. Stop. I mean, he's, he's off the rails. Yeah, totally. Atta- is he? Attacking me every day, <laughs> blaming me for Trump. Uh, nobody's oh attacking gosh. him every day. Oh, my oh. gosh. I, I, you talk about overstate. We've mentioned him twice, maybe. 
You talk about overstating an issue uh, or attacking him and blaming him. I don't we've never blamed him for Trump. We've blamed him for not sticking to conservative principles. No. Actually, I went back and looked at all the transcripts and I went back and I looked at all my personal emails between myself and Sean Hannity. And I'm willing to uh, I want to play the clips where we did talk about Sean Hannity over the last. We blame him for Donald Trump. No. Uh, In fact, um, you will see in those transcripts. I almost every time said, I understand we don't see things the same way. Right. I understand. I try. You know their friends. We yeah. know he knows him. Right. And so, and I said, that's the big argument that I kept making over and over again. He comes from a different place. He knows Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He trusts him. I don't. Right. I don't know him. I don't trust him. So I don't have the information that he has. We are Is that going to off disagree. The rails? It's not off the rails. No, it's not. It's not off the rails. No, but he's not. not talking about him there. I think he believes that I'm. Mad that Ted Cruz didn't win. This I. This well, that's has what nothing they keep to do with Ted nothing Cruz. to do with being a sore no, loser or Ted Cruz. It. it has to do with this with the country that we love, and people keep asking, "Why are you still talking about?" Because we still care about the country. Okay. Yeah. Wait quickly too. I mean, it, it, there was what seven or eight candidates that we thought we we could vote for out of that field. So uh, easily, yeah. So I mean, As I, I said in my midnight screed last night after I read this Hannity thing, I, 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 I lost my mind. But there were there were seven that we could easily vote for. There were sixteen that were better than Donald Trump. Yeah, and they insisted. They insisted on the worst possible candidate, maybe in American history. I don't think there's any maybe to that. No, hey, I don't think so either. Uh, here's what, one more thing, real quick, before you go on. It is interesting, in case you're wondering what the state of this race is, uh, because I like the polls and I like looking at this stuff, and a lot of people will tell you, well, you know, wait a minute, the polls are all lying to you. I mean, Sean Hannity there, I think, lays it out pretty well in that even to a Donald Trump supporter, Donald Trump is now something to be blamed for. You can't blame me for Donald Trump. I mean, the way he states that is as if the man already lost. I, I, you know, I, I, he hasn't lost yet. He has, still has a good chance to turn this around. And I mean, he's going down. He's meeting with the Mexican president. He's got a big immigration speech tomorrow. Uh, it's a, it's an intro. The state They're the ones of the race. Who said he couldn't lose, right? right? He's a winner who wins. He's a winning winner who always wins. I think quite clearly, they even Trump supporters are viewing this as right now a disaster because you don't you don't you don't reject blame for something that's positive. Well, here's what I here's, one more thing. This is progressives. Blaming the gun for murder, for murder, for for crimes, for for anything. This this is a such a progressive tactic to to blame the messenger rather than the message. I, all right. <laughs> I think Glenn wants us to. So here's what I would like to say because I agree with much of what has been said. Uh, I would like to say. So the alt-right wanted Donald Trump, and the alt-right got Donald Trump. And I don't want to hear any bellyaching like they're all doing. They're all bellyaching. They wanted him. They got him. However, (laughs) I won't echo the past of others. What I will say, and I want to have a conversation, and I want to share something that I wrote to... Uh, 
to Mark Levin this morning, and I won't tell you our exchange back and forth. He is not picking sides. I, I encourage everyone, if you are a fan of mine, do not pick a side. Please, do not, um, uh, do not get involved in this. Please, don't condemn Sean or anyone else. I truly believe Sean is doing what he feels he needs to do, just as I am. And I have told you for months, there are no more good choices. I'm not happy with what I'm, uh, I'm forced, I believe, forced to do. But my principles dictate that I stand. And you'll understand that as I read what I wrote this morning and where my mind is. Um, you can condemn me if you want. That's fine. I expect it. Don't condemn him, please. The pressure on this job, the pressure on him is enormous, enormous. I truly believe he's trying to do the right thing. We just strongly disagree. And if Hillary Clinton wins, if Donald Trump wins, you can kiss my ass goodbye. If Hillary (laughs) Clinton wins, if we don't reunite with everyone and have All hands on deck. There's no chance of stopping Hillary Clinton. Zero. That's really true. So do not divide anymore. Please don't divide anymore. I I wanted to make sure. Because I got a lot more to say. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to be that divisive. And now I don't have time for what I really want to say. I spent time last night and I wanted to write it out. So I said it exactly the way. Um, I believe it needs to be said. We have seen over the last few days additional proof points where the conservative media is coming apart. The Democrats could not have designed a better weapon than Donald Trump. They could not have designed anything that was better at taking us apart The first thing that happened in the last 24 hours is the call heard around the world, as I would call it, the Rush Limbaugh call, stating uh, that, you know, Rush never believed Trump on his immigration and deportation and the building of the wall. Remarkable, remarkable. Uh, I'm not going to say anything bad about Rush Limbaugh. I'm I'm never going to say anything bad about Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh is a trailblazer and defined a generation. I'm bringing this up as a reference point uh, on, you know, whether or not uh, the caller agrees or condemns Rush. I want to point out that we're in a circular firing squad right now. Then Sean Hannity Someone who, quite honestly, you know if you've been a listener of this show for a while, um, I've been building a friendship with over the last few years. He said this about me yesterday. He believes that I am responsible for Clinton winning and will lay all the responsibility of Trump losing and all the baggage that comes with it at my feet and Jonah Goldberg's and everybody else. Anybody who's expecting me to punch back is going to be sorely, uh, sorely disappointed today. I can't speak for the others who get more offended for me 
than I do at times on this show. <laughs> but I would ask them not to punch back. First of all, I wish this show had the power to elect a president because President Cruz sounded very good to me. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't, and no one on this show, and Jonah Goldberg, and all of the things that he just listed, we could not get the most constitutionally minded conservative of perhaps the last 100 years, the guy we believe we waited for and prayed for to get elected. But somehow or another, we're going to be responsible for the defeat. I am not going to blame Sean or anybody else for helping to nominate a GOP candidate that was a Democrat, I think, last week. If Sean is a believer, if he believes that Trump is a reliable conservative, he knows him. I don't. I don't believe him. Sean does. I don't lay the blame at his feet. If Sean believes that he can ascribe a logical line through Trump's positions and that we even know what Trump's positions are, okay. If Sean believes that Hillary Clinton is so bad that anyone, and I do mean anyone, is better, I don't blame him. I would like him to say that, that anyone is better. Anyone. And where your line is. Donald Trump has talked less about the Constitution, liberty, and the Founding Fathers uh, than I think an eighth-grade class in Common Core would say. I don't know his principles. I don't know his values. Um, and, 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 and I don't think... Uh, I don't think almost anyone is better than Clinton. The jury is certainly out on Donald Trump. And sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know if you stay together and fight. And if there are times that you learn the lesson from Dunkirk. For the millionth time, I will never vote for Hillary Clinton. Never. She is cyanide to the republic. But I happen to believe Donald Trump may be worse. For the last 10, I, I want you to understand, I'm not as concerned about the destruction of America because I believe Americans can rebuild anything. I am more concerned about the perversion of America into something so dark and so sinister that we make the fascists and the communists of the 1930s and 40s look like rookies. I have been on that trail long before Donald Trump ever came. I have warned, if we turn dark, we will make the Nazis look like rookies. That, to me, is far worse than Hillary Clinton destroying our nation, perverting our nation, is an affront to all mankind. I have for 10 years been railing against progressivism on both sides of the aisle. And though I am a Republican voter, a reliable Republican voter, I am not a, a Republican. I am not into team sport with our political system. I vote for the person who reflects me. And neither party reflects me. Certainly neither candidate reflects me. While I have been strong with my warnings on Donald Trump, 
I have been equally strong in my condemnation of Clinton. And if you add up the amount of time that I have spent on air fighting the Clinton machine and her allies versus Donald Trump, I doubt the scale would even register any more than a rounding error. In fact, even over the last six months, we have produced serials, the most expensive radio format on daily airwaves by far. You can find them at glenbeck.com. We have done Saul Alinsky, which was her mentor, the progressives tied to the best-selling book out right now, Hillary Clinton, evil progressive uh, leftist donors, abortion, immigration. Uh, we have done the, the donors for Hillary Clinton. And yes, we did do four episodes of one serial on Donald Trump. When all of this is over, whatever that means, we are going to need to come back together. The country as a whole despise both of these candidates. Despise them. I know I do. But I am not going to do further damage to the group of people that we are going to need when I believe Hillary Clinton wins. It won't be a shock to me. I predicted it last August that Hillary would beat Trump. In the summer, your windows invite the heat in. The winter sends it out. You can save money on cooling and then heating with new custom solar shades from Blinds.com. And they'll walk you through the measuring and installation every single step of the way. A design consultation worth $200 is absolutely free. With the Blinds.com 100% satisfaction guarantee, there is no way you can get this wrong. You get custom order, um, uh, uh, custom blinds made to order without paying custom prices. And you only get them at Blinds.com. Today is the very last day. You buy three blinds, you get the fourth blind free with promo code BECK. Go to blinds.com, use the promo code BECK, buy three blinds, get the fourth blind free. Today, today is the last day. Blinds.com, promo code BECK. Rules and restrictions do apply. It's blinds.com, promo code BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. So glad that you are here. I think um, Laura Ingram, who is, I, I don't agree with Laura Ingram's stance. I think she was so insulted by Donald Trump yesterday 
Uh, I, I just can't believe it. Uh, and I think Donald Trump, again, is wrong on the debates. Hillary is, uh, Hillary is rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing, which may hurt her. She's so unlikable. She could easily lose these debates. And I think that's why he believes he's got it in the bag. Because yeah, well, he thinks yeah. he's so fantastic at connecting with people. And he might be. These debates. We've been wrong on him. I know. The whole time. And these debates. If he does what I think he did in South Carolina, he loses big time. And he thought that debate went really, really well. Yeah. Okay? And it went well for him. The numbers on the Republican side went up. So that people might want to see him bash her in the face. But this I isn't, isn't going to yeah. be like a drudge poll afterwards because no. he's dealing with the other side. Dealing now. with the other side. And, and it's he's not dealing look, with... I mean, the drudge report will look the same because right. the same people are going there. And he's dealing with a woman. However, he's dealing with a woman that is almost universally hated on both sides. That's his, uh, that's his only ace I mean, in the hole. There are people who are voting for Hillary Clinton that mm. just, you know... They don't want her. They don't. They're holding their nose, too. And by the way, the libertarian and Jill Stein, they're both taking more from Hillary Clinton than they are from Donald Trump. Those third parties are actually helping Donald Trump at this point. But he said, Laura Ingram's not going to help me because that's what the word was. She's going to stand in. He said, the one I trust to help me is the smartest one of the bunch. My daughter. Really? Trump's daughter is better than Laura Ingram this on policy? This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. this country and you really don't want Hillary Clinton to win I get it I get it completely but I'm not going to sit here and pretend things are in great shape they're not in great shape where people cherry pick polls and they throw them up on their websites and they cherry pick polls and they go on and on behind the microphones and they cherry pick polls if only the never Trumpers if only Jonah Goldberg and Bill Crystal and Glenn Beck and this one and that one, if only they'd get behind Trump, then we'd be winning. We'd win big time. Oh, yes. No, we wouldn't. As popular as many of those men and women are, they're not going to sway anybody one way or another. This is a presidential election. People make up their own minds. Yeah. I can encourage you or others to do one thing or another. In the end, you're going to make up your own mind, which is exactly Ted Cruz's point. You're going to vote your conscience. You're going to decide yourself. That's a statement of fact. Railing on and on, positioning yourself. I will announce, I said, after Labor Day, my vote with respect to Trump. I will announce it. But I'm not a Pollyanna. I'm not a Pollyanna. The fact of the matter is, maybe Trump will win. 
Maybe Hillary will be stopped. But we nominated the wrong person. I I have fallen in love with Mark Levin. I'm sorry. He's, no, and he may announce that he's going to vote he might. for Donald he Trump. Might, well, he might and again. To. I don't know. But and again, I still love the guy. Welcome back to Talk Radio Review. Uh, we're going well, through the comments what? of all <laughs> I think this is an important, I think this I think is so an important thing to, to talk about and not sweep under the rug because this is, you know, I, I, um, uh, I think it is important because we're going to need each other. And we also need to show how to navigate through these waters because this isn't the last time this is going to happen to us. Um, did, did you see... Did, did you see the Colbert episode where Jon Stewart came out? I saw this yesterday. It was linked to an article um, where Colbert, uh, where Jon Stewart pops up underneath Colbert's desk and takes his chair and he says, I've got a few things to say. And he does seven minutes on Sean Hannity. Seven. Mm. The best the thing. Best. Oh, it was right after the convention. The best thing that's happened to the right is nobody's watching Stephen Colbert. <laughs> yeah. So nobody saw this. Um, it was unbelievable. And it is exactly what I said would happen if we support Donald Trump and we'll have no credibility left. And he only made it about Sean Hannity. And that's why I, uh, one reason why I think Sean is... and you. Sean's doing what he thinks is right, and he's now being attacked for it. We, we've already gone through our fire. You know, we're, we've been attacked for Ted Cruz, uh, well, from the beginning of announcing for Ted Cruz, just like he has. But then when Ted lost and we took our stand, we've taken our lumps. We, we've, we, we got it. We got it. We got it. Now that it looks like Donald might lose, now the lumps are going to the other side. We're still getting ours, but we're beating each other up. And I will tell you, we've, we've come into this room every single day and said, what the hell do we do? What the hell do we do? How do we navigate these waters? We don't know. This has not been done before. Let me, I wrote after I heard that, or actually my wife heard that last night. Um, she came in, she was picking up Rafe. Uh, from uh, from fencing. He's learning how to fence. Like, that's going to come in handy. Well, it actually might <laughs> if they take away all of our guns. But it might. Um, so uh, she picked him up and she came back and she said, hey, did you hear what Levin said? And I said, no. And she said, you have to listen to it. And I think he did exactly the right thing. He defended both of us, both of us, and said, I'm not getting involved. I think that was exactly the right thing to do. I wrote him last night, and then I wrote him again this morning. Um, and I want to share just what I wrote to him this morning because it, it explains what I'm thinking. I said, Mark, this is all uncharted territory, what we're dealing with now. But as I study history and what is happening overseas, which has come our way now, I feel that these are the beginnings of the times of Bonhoeffer. If never forget is to mean anything. We must speak while those seeds are being planted. I had a rabbi come to my office um, about eight months ago from the Simon Wiesenthal Center for a private meeting at his request. 
He begged me to stop talking about the plight of Jews in Europe. I was stunned. He told me, they're coming for your people first this time. I feared at the time he might be right. I know now we are. We must be firm and clear now before it can take root and destroy the credibility of any voice standing for freedom. I spent the morning today, look out, here comes the mocking. Um, I spent the morning today researching a guy nobody knows, um, Wilhelm Furtwangler. My gosh, what a coincidence. We're just talking about Wilhelm. And and then Jeffy was like, well, I'm deep into my research. That's so funny. I'm so glad I didn't do it. I almost wore my Furtlanger t-shirt today on the air. And I took took it off at the last time. Furtlanger pants. Okay, it's Furtwangler. I know. Have you ever heard of of Tuscanini? Have you ever heard of... Tuscanini. That's a dish they serve at Caracas. No. It's delicious. Shut up, both of you. Put All some goat you. cheese on top of that. Okay. Mm. Tuscanini is the guy who was the famous conductor of, I think, the New York Philharmonic that did uh, Fantasia. Okay. Guy with crazy hair. Mm-hmm. A very popular. Um, Arthur Fielder in the Boston Pops. I've got all his stuff. In Shut it. up. Oh, it makes it better. You know, Fantasia. <laughs> okay. So, Ferdwangler was was a, a guy who conducted the uh, Berlin Philharmonic and uh, was, at the time, in 1930, um, was the most popular um, orchestra leader and composer. He was, he was the first famous orchestra leader, okay? And, Don't um, talk down to us. Don't talk down to us. So anyway... When Hitler came to power, he was really against Adolf Hitler um, and, and vocal a little bit, but not very much. Said, this guy's a clown and don't worry, he's not going to have any power, blah, blah, blah. Soon as he grabbed power in 33, um, Furt Wangler, or to you say that name, Wilhelm uh, kind of went quiet except in private circles. He saved a lot of Jews and told them to first stay with me, stay with me. I'll protect you. Well, you know, as it gets closer to 38, he can't, he was realizing they're taking the Jews. So he helps some escape in the end. He loses. He's trying to protect the um, integrity of the arts and saying, we're not a part of this. And he used his fame internally against Goebbels to try to save Jews and to try to stop them. But nobody knew that on the outside. He was never used as propaganda. He wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't perform at certain times. He didn't like doing Hitler's birthday or anything else. He refused to give the Nazi salute. He, he held on to his baton. Now imagine, you know how impo- important the ring cycle was to Hitler. So Hitler was going to these things all the time, and he would not give the Hitler salute. He shook hands with Hitler once, and Goebbels used that as propaganda, saying, see, even he's behind us. Goebbels wrote in his diaries a lot about this guy, but he stood trial in the end because was he a Nazi sympathizer? Luckily, Jewish people came out and said, no, 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 behind the scenes he did these things. But his career was destroyed 
because he didn't stand up. Now, he's, I believe he's kind of a hero in Germany because he was part of von Stauffenberg's inner circle. Okay. Um, so he was, um, uh, but he, he was offered a job in New York. He was offered a job at the Chicago Symphony. They protested him here because he's a Nazi, but he wasn't. But he wasn't convicted either, right? No, he wasn't. He was completely cleared. But his it life was... not mentioned when discussing interpretive styles. I mean, that's... <clears throat> so what I wrote this morning was, I believe this man was a hero, but I'm not entirely sure. But I do know this. We can't straddle the line at this point. Maybe later we have to straddle the line and do what he did to save others. But at this point, those of us who are clear must stand not only to save the voice of freedom, but our souls and more importantly, our friends. It can not only happen here. I believe it already is. Then I asked him, as my friend, and I'm telling you this as well, as my friend, please help me navigate these waters. We are all in a corner with our back against the wall. None of us know how to navigate this. We're all doing our best, and I am more than open to hearing advice from a trusted friend who is striving for the same outcome and who is honorably holding on to his principles. We may not always agree on the path forward, but if we can retain respect for one another and believe the best in one another, we will make it. My, the reason I want to share that with you is I'm coming from a different place. I am not looking at this election. I am looking at the ramifications of this election. And there are worse things than our country being destroyed. Our country losing its soul is much more important, at least to me. Technology has changed our lives. Can you believe it was, what, 2007 that the iPhone was introduced? 2007. And remember when we saw that, we're like, you can touch the glass and move the picture or make the picture bigger. Now... You walk up to everything. You walk up to a picture frame and you're like, how come I'm touching the glass and it's not getting bigger? It's weird. Technology has changed the way now we, we protect our home and our family. We used to have limited choices. Big home security companies would give you a wired system for free and then lock you into a long-term contract, charge you $40, $50, $60 a month for monitoring for years. But Simply Safe has changed all that. They have created a wireless home security system based on your needs it saves you money, and monitoring is $14.99 a month. There is no contract, and you own the system, and you can take it with you if you move. Right now, Simply Safe is the security system in my own daughter's house. Simply Safe Home Security, like having a guard station right at your front door 24 7. Protect your home the smart way. Visit simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. You'll also get free shipping on your order and free keychain remote worth 25 bucks. Simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Glenn Beck program. Triple eight seven two seven back. Mercury. Glenn Beck Program. 
Nate in Ohio, you're on the Glenbeck program. Welcome. Hello, Nate. Nate, are you there? Don't listen to the radio because by the time we you get yeah. to it, it's too late. Thanks, Nate. Sorry we missed you. I, well, quickly on this this Hannity thing, I, I I do not blame Sean Hannity at all for Donald Trump. The people who are to blame for Donald Trump are the people who voted for him in the primary period. Sean Hannity didn't walk into a, a ballot box with anybody and force them to check a box or pull a lever. It's up to you as an individual to go in and make your own decisions, take in the information, and vote. It is not Sean Hannity's fault. It's not our fault for anyone voting for, for anybody. That is not the way this works. It's just like it's not the NRA's fault for a congressman voting a certain way. You could, everyone can have their voice but the bottom line is, if we are not about individual responsibility, what are we about? Mm-hmm. It is your individual right to look at all the information and your individual responsibility to vote. And if you're not, you can't go around blaming everybody. And this idea that you can say a few people in the, in the media, and that's really all Never Trump is at this point. There's, I mean, certainly there's a bunch of people in this audience. There's some people in the media. But overall, a handful of people. it's a very small group. The, Donald Trump is currently losing by 186 electoral votes. There is no possible way anyone who looks at this can blame it on a small group of conservatives Here's what I'm, who would influence this. This is a destruction well, right now. It I, could change, I, I, but I, right now he's losing by a hundred. He's losing by more electoral votes than he has. He only has 176 right now. That's, He's losing by 186. We cannot we, move that many people, I promise you. Except that we have 400 electorals in our pocket. We do. At any I mean, <laughs> pull them out. Those are shekels. Oh, are shekels. oh crap. Is that what they want? Um, yeah, at least that's what the Zionist masters send us. <laughs> um, the, um, uh, the thing that concerns me is, is not even about the vote. It's what's going to happen after the vote. Because I believe Russia is absolutely trying to influence these, and they are sowing the seeds of discontent. They are, if you look at the key word here that you will see from the people who are knowingly or most likely unknowingly being influenced by Russia, are those who are saying globalist. <laughs> globalist is a, is a catchphrase that is coming from the alt-right. And I'm, I'm, I don't want one world order. I don't want one world order, which is a catchphrase that came from George H.W. Bush, by the way. Um, but no, I don't want that. It doesn't make you a globalist if you are against Donald Trump. Russia is influencing us much more than you even think. Putin and Dugan are deep inside. And I will tell you the thing that concerns me is not blaming the never-Trumpers for a loss, but saying that the media is 100% untrustworthy, that there's no source, and our elections have been stolen or rigged. That destroys the fabric of the republic. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, there's a few things. The debates that are coming up. The EPA has started collecting employee data data on sexual orientation. Why? Why? Didn't we say a long time ago, government out of my bedroom? Now the EPA is collecting this data? Is that... Is your sexual orientation some sort of an environmental problem? I'm, I'm not really sure why the EPA is doing that. And WikiLeaks has some information about a billionaire and how he spent his money. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, here you go. Here's how Russia is going to convince the alt-right, which will then try to convince you after the election that it is over and your vote doesn't matter. And these are the seeds that will lead to all kinds of problems. And I'd have a hard time making a case against it. <clears throat> Even before the FBI identified new cyber attacks on two separate state election boards, the Department of Homeland Security began considering declaring the election critical infrastructure and giving it the same control over security that it has over Wall Street and the electric power grids. The latest submission of attacks could speed that effort up, including the upcoming presidential elections. We should carefully consider whether our election system, our election process, is critical infrastructure, said the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson. There's a vital national interest in our election process. I do think we need to consider whether this should be considered part of my department as critical infrastructure. How much do you believe in our elections when it's taken over by the federal government and the Department of Homeland Security. You believe it? I'm asking anybody for anybody willing to go on record. <laughs> no. This is amazing. Look at the look at the world. I remember it was in 1996 and I've said this before. 1996 and I was reading Immanuel Kant and he said um There are many things that I believe that I shall never say, but I shall never say the things that I do not believe. And that stuck to me. And it stuck to me for two reasons. Um, uh, But the biggest reason was, what the hell kind of world is it? We can't, I remember thinking, I can't even relate to a world to where I believed things and I wasn't willing to say them. And I could understand, like, I don't believe America didn't go to the moon. I remember thinking, okay, well, but I'd still say that if I believed it, but I'd be a crackpot. And I couldn't imagine an America or a world that I was living in where I was afraid to express my point of view because of a government. Look at where we are, gang. 
There is so much under attack right now. Oh, gosh. So anybody want to go on record on this one? I think, you know, anything's possible. But would you believe it? Yeah. No, no, no. Would you believe the returns of the election? Oh, I, you know, I may have doubts. Yeah. I mean, I mean Jeffy has never believed the returns of. There's been a number. Uh, of he doesn't believe him now. Right. No, he didn't. I mean, he actually and thinks George Washington lost. And one of our, uh, one of our. I don't want to get saying, you. I mean, he, I mean, I want to get you started on this one. But okay, it unanimous. was it was unanimous. It Twice. was one hundred unanimous. One hundred percent. The mean, only time ever. Mm-hmm. Twice. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Well, they did have. There were British hackers. Right. It's, it's terrifying because they are. I mean, the FBI is saying they are. They are taking it seriously. I mean, they should. I mean, and, and they oh, absolutely yeah. should. But I mean, you know, this isn't. But we've one. lost faith in everything sure have. because every department has been politicized. Mm-hmm. In the last ten years, or the last really since nine eleven, we started really in nine eleven going down a very spooky road. Uh, with the Patriot Act and everything else. And then uh, under Obama, it became totally politicized. Everything was politicized. Yeah. Uh, it's scary because it's foundational. I mean, it's sort of a forgotten um, yep. world disaster yep. um, that from the mid-2000s when you had you know Enron and WorldCom and all those companies that had the corporate scandals. And, um, you know, that was back in the good old days when only the seventh largest company in the world was going out of business <laughs> uh, in, in the midst of scandal. Um, and uh, but one of the issues there was it was no longer about trying to figure out what company to invest in. It was whether you could believe the things that would lead you to those decisions. Yes, it was a foundational part that was shaken, yes. and that was scary. And it's the same thing here. I mean, certainly, uh, if Donald Trump loses, he's going to uh, surely blame things like he's this. already laying. He's already laid the groundwork for it's that. It's beyond Donald Trump. It is yeah. the alt right. It is. It's. It's. It's now the Drudge Report. Uh, it is, it's uh, people like, uh, what's his face, the crazy guy who yesterday was more crazy than he's ever been, um, begging Hillary Clinton not to kill him. Um, what? what? Who is this? Yeah, Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Oh, how did I miss this? Oh, oh you, you have this? Yeah, we have it. Oh, we we'll have play it later. It's crazy, <laughs> crazier than he's ever been. Anyway. I don't um, know. That's saying a lot. That sure is. Oh, have you watched? Have you watched people? the last? No. Gay frogs and fish no. people. Okay. No. Okay. So no, it's not crazier than gay frogs and fish people, but it is. It, it's. It's nuts. It's <laughs> it nuts. That pedophiles at the airport. Okay. Okay. It's not crazier than that. Okay. So it's not the craziest thing he's ever said, <laughs> but it was crazy. Um, okay. Let me give you this. <laughs> Yesterday it was. Uh, it was released. Uh, from the WikiLeaks um, papers on George Soros that no one in the mainstream media is going through. And here, this might be a reason. This might be a reason. Listen to this story. <clears throat> Does billionaire activist George Soros have the economic clout to push out conservative hosts and commentators that have oppose his leftist agenda? Among the 2,500 documents hacked from Soros's Open Society Foundation are documents in which Soros' Open Society Foundation boasts of funding a minority activist campaign against activa- uh, advertisers that, exceeded, that succeeded in ousting Glenn Beck from Fox News. Huh? Now, Interesting. That, it, that didn't happen. However, we did tell you at the time 
that George over and over and over again, that George Soros was funding campaigns to get us talk, uh, get us kicked off the air. And if you guys remember, what was the one that we said he was funding besides Media Matters? Uh, color of Change. Okay. Have you read this yet? No, no I have not. Uh, in a memorandum dated March 27, 2012, Bill Vandenberg, the head of Soros' Democracy Fund, discusses a two-year grant to support the color of change. An online organizing group described within the document as the largest online political activist group representing African-American issues. The group had more than 900,000 due-paying members advocating within the African-American community on issues that impact the community. In a memo, he said the reason for continuing to fund Color of Change is that the group, through implementing a successful political communication campaign, has held the media companies accountable for derogatory actions, including the successful campaign to oust Glenn Beck from the Fox Network and Pat Buchanan from MSNBC. The memo appears to confirm the suspicion among conservatives that Soros has funded aggressive attacks on advertisers to silence effective communicators on the conservative side. Uh, in the wake of Beck's firing, I mean, dear God. How many times how many are they going to cite the lie? How lie-in? many times are people fired and remain on the air six months after they were fired? You know, we were in meetings. I mean, cheese for love of Pete. Forget it. In the wake of Beck's firing, Color of Change was instrumental in launching uh, the Beck ad boycott that cost Fox some $40 million in advertising. That is also not true. It's a lie. You know where a lot of the information came, where this rumor of bad ads came from? Please, may I, Stu? Please, may I? I don't, don't put this on me. I say yes. I grant you absolution, no. my son. Oh, boy. That means Stu's going to say no. Much of that came from Roger Ailes and Irina Briganti or whatever her name is, both of them now in trouble at Fox News. That was gone from pushed, Fox. yeah pushed out yeah. to um, to keep me in place. Uh, and the same exact thing, just different tactics, just different tools, were used to keep Megyn Kelly in her place to make sure she understands who's in control. It's not you, Megan. It's not you. Uh, and that was a tactic. Uh, and that's where a lot of that came from. So please, color of change, don't, don't flatter yourself. Uh, but again, George Soros paying all kinds of money. We, did it, we figured at one point that we believe that about $100 million had been spent on discrediting me. Which, I mean, I, I know you. You're not worth, you're not worth it. No. 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 I know you well. I would have done it for uh, half. <laughs> I'm trying to think back to our... Uh, My wife would have done it for about 20 bucks. <laughs> trying to think back to our, our uh, progressive donors uh, segment. And it seems to me the figure for George Soros' spending was $7 billion. Yeah, no, it is. In everything I'm that remembering he does, that yeah, right? it's, it's, pretty, it's in the billions. Billion dollars yeah. he has spent on progressive causes. Yes. And there's nobody, and, and nobody, I mean, how, mu- how much? And yet they'd be smirched the Koch brothers. And how much do the Koch brothers, election. how much do the Koch brothers spend? A whopping, okay, it's really close to $7 billion, 3200000 
Right. Three point two million. Well, that's half of seven billion. No, uh, no, no. Doesn't work that way. Uh, it no, doesn't. No. You no. have to look at that. How many up. times does? Oh, okay. It's it not worked. half because it the three only goes into se- it goes into seven more than twice. No, I think the so. issue you're looking for is that <laughs> after the numbers, there's words, and the words actually make a pretty big difference. Words yeah, don't they do. matter. Okay. Words don't matter. Not when you're talking math, mm-hmm. Stu. I'm sorry to <laughs> sorry to burst your bubble on that. Um, can I give you another story that is? Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is good advice or bad advice. Clinton is leaving no stone unturned, consulting Tony Schwartz, a ghostwriter who wrote Trump's The Art of the Deal, as well as psychology experts, as to ascertain where Trump's psychological makeup will yield an opportunity to provoke him in a response that could damage him. These guys, man, use psychological behavior all the time on everybody. Um, but quite honestly, if you were running against Donald Trump, wouldn't you? If I was running against Hillary Clinton, I would talk to anybody who could do an analysis and say, where do I hit her that is going to make her snap? Wouldn't you? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, that's their responsibility. Right. <laughs> right? The, team, the team fielded by Clinton is also examining the likely path Trump will take to confronting a woman on stage. The good thing is, is Hillary is so universally disliked that he has more latitude on that than I think she thinks. I, think so. I agree. Um, they are undertaking a forensic-style analysis of Mr. Trump's performances in the Republican primary debates, cataloging strengths and weaknesses, as well as trigger points that caused him to lash out in less than presidential ways. Small hands. Meanwhile, in typical Trump fashion, Trump is apparently ignoring any painstaking preparation preferring to rely on uh, uh, spontaneous responses to Clinton. The Times reports that Trump spent some time of the past two Sundays with his debate team, but essentially disdained their advice. He told the Times, quote, I believe you can prep too much for those things and it can be dangerous. You can sound scripted or phony, like you're trying to be somebody you're not. Trump's new campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway, said... Donald Trump is the unpredictable X factor and Hillary Clinton is the scripted status. I fully understand why Clinton feels they need to drown her in briefing books and Hollywood consulting. Boy, I mean, I, I'm really torn on this. I'm torn on this. Trump, uh, Trump boasted to the Times, I know who I am and it got me here. I don't want to present a false front. I mean, it's possible we'll do a mock debate. I don't see any real need. I know how to handle um, Hillary. What do you think? What, put his arms around her like he has done at fundraising events for her? Uh, like he did at, at his wedding uh, when quite she honestly, showed up to it? Uh, quite honestly, like he has you know, at every good friends. every day that she has a bad day in the press, he doesn't go after her. Every single time something comes out bad about her in the press, he doesn't go after her. He's on something else. He's you know, on something else. Until... Until uh, Roger Ailes became part of the campaign and they made these switches. And I don't look at what they've done since then. It's, you know, a lot of the Trump supporters in the media are still on this whole never Trump thing. Blame the never Trumpers. The Trump campaign is not on it as much anymore. When's the last time Trump mentioned Ted Cruz and blamed him for stuff? Trump, I think, is realizing which is what is true, which is if he's going to win this campaign, it's not chasing a, a very small percentage of conservatives that have ideological disagreements with him. It's chasing people in the middle. It's why he's flipping flopping on immigration. immigration. It's why he's offering larger um, uh, stimulus package than Hillary Clinton is. He is continually moving left and reaching out that way, which I think campaign-wise is smart. It's also Very who smart. he is. 
So uh, it, yeah, it has that convenient. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I believe it's, it's not bad. And it's all Roger Ailes. Yeah, it's it, all Roger Ailes. Yeah, and Roger Ailes, remember, if he listens to Roger Ailes, Roger Ailes is the guy who helped Ronald Reagan win mm-hmm. in 1980. More in a second. Um, it seems that every week another Wall Street veteran weighs in on what's next. This is from a monetary historian. We have got bubbles in stocks, real estate, bo- real estate and bonds. The next one is going to be one hell of a crisis. This is the peak. We've passed the peak of the bubble. And within the next few years, you're going to see probably the greatest crash in human history, end quote. Well, that sounds happy. I I am not a financial advisor. I don't even know what to do. Um, I know that I listen to my financial advisors and I don't agree with them. Um, but they keep coming back to me and saying, so what do you want to do? The only things that I really want to do, own a farm, own food, own water, own, uh, you know, cigarettes and booze for trade and own gold. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. 10% in gold is totally sane. 10% of what you have in your 401k or your IRA, totally sane. I, I will tell you, please, if you haven't done this yet, it's coming. And what's coming, this historian is right, will be one of the biggest things in human history. And everybody, well, not George Soros, everybody loses. Everybody loses. Please find out if gold or silver is right for you. Call 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Do it now. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Glenn Beck Program. Let's go to Nate. Hello, Nate. You're on the Glenn Beck Program. Hi, Glenn. Hi. Uh, before I get to my main point, do you mind if I uh, mention a couple things that piqued my interest so far? That what? Piqued interest. my interest. Sure, sure, sure. Go ahead. You found someone named Feldwanger? Really? <laughs> and I like my Toscani with garlic. Okay. All and right. as far Let's as the frog see. people thing... Look up Chimera and National Institute of Health. It's not exactly frog people, but it will gross you out. It's okay. on their actual website. All right. Chimera and uh, Chimera. National Institute. Chimera. Yeah. I know. I know. Have you this ever read uh, you Have you ever yeah. read Biohazard by Keith uh, by uh, Albeck? What's his first name? Ken, Ken Albeck. Albeck. Okay. Albeck, you should you should read it. It's he was the uh, head of uh, bioweapons in russia and wrote a, a deal you want to be freaked out read that one but anyway go I ahead. Bet. okay so i wanted to call and praise you this morning for the oh. way that you handled the whole hannity thing that was awesome dude thank All you right? you picked up the right tools you know 
it on, I don't mean to get too religious here, but I'm among friends, right? We do that all the time on this show. <laughs> yeah. um, there are two sets of tools you can pick up at life. One is to build the kingdom of heaven. One is to build the other kingdom. And you took what was coming at you and you picked up the right set of tools. And in doing so, I think you might have uncovered a larger conversation that people on the right specifically need to be having. Okay, hang on just a second. got to pull you over. If you don't promise not to get any more Chimera talk, uh, (laughs) we'll we'll go there next. I'd like to hear what you think we should have as a larger conversation. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I forgot we moved our cereals to this time, so Nate, hold on. We're going to get back to you in a second. But education this week, where? how did we get here, our cereal on education? Bernie Sanders and I will work together to make college tuition free for the middle class and debt free for all. When progressives like Hillary Clinton make claims such as, I will provide free college for millions of students, Do Americans even ask any more important questions like how, why, why should college education be free? It isn't mandatory. It isn't a right framed within the Constitution. It is a privilege that used to be worked for and earned by those who decided to attend. There are a myriad of options following the basic education all Americans are currently offered. Going to an expensive university is not the only option. And who should have to pay for all of these students enjoying higher education at the expense of others? And what is the personal responsibility of those who want a college education? Do they not need to save their money leading up to college anymore or work through high school or afterward to prepare? Progressives never bother with the details like that, just as they never articulate what a fair share of taking someone's salary from them is. How did we arrive at this place with America's education? Well, it all began with a progressive named John Dewey and the others who altered the vision of America's founding fathers and replaced that with their progressive educational vision. One key for Dewey was replacing education with indoctrination. As an example, Dewey stated, I believe that the subject matter of the school curriculum should mark a gradual differentiation out of the primitive unconscious unity of social life. I believe that we violate the child's nature and render difficult the best ethical results by introducing the child too abruptly to a number of special studies of reading, writing, geography, etc. out of relation to this social life. I believe, therefore, that the true center of correlation on the school subjects is not science nor literature, nor history, nor geography, but the child's own social activities. As a result of the collectivism that Dewey absorbed from Friedrich Hegel, 
Dewey believed that rather than focusing on the educational subjects like those he mentioned, like reading, writing, and geography, instead, schools should be about students learning to be part of a group or a collective. And listen to this bizarre quote from the father of modern education, John Dewey. The mere absorption of facts and truths is so exclusively an individual affair that it tends very naturally to pass into selfishness. There is no obvious social motive for the acquirement of mere learning. There is no clear social gain and success thereat. Absorbing fact and truth passes into selfishness? To Dewey, the answer is yes, because it's an individual affair, as he calls it when all he wants is students to focus on the collective. To Dewey, it's as if the only way a child will ever encounter another human being for interaction, socialization, is at school. He doesn't seem to take into account church, neighborhoods, sporting activities, after-school jobs. So school needs to be the ultimate in socialization. Dewey's goal was to transform the educational system away from its foundations of God and religion. In a nation and a culture that was founded on those principles, Dewey had his work cut out for him. So, as a secular humanist and atheist, he actually used the verbiage that Christians and the religious could relate to. Why would he take this on? Because Dewey, like many of the other progressives of his day, rejected the original intent of the United States Constitution and that it was a living, breathing, evolving document. He put together his vision of education that would begin the process of progressing America toward that wonderful socialist utopia that they had all envisioned. The focus not only shifted away from God, but from learning. The founders gained their knowledge by being taught something until they learned it. The focus sense has been teaching to pass a test and then moving on. Learning has been replaced with testing. Teaching skills were replaced by monetary spending. And the strategy has worked. Advocates of classical education didn't see it coming until it was too late. It was an infection Dewey planted that took hold in the Democrats and the Republicans alike. So much so that just a few years ago, when President Bush signed his No Child Left Behind bill, two intensely heated political foes famously came together on the bill that they both loved, which featured testing and spending, and lots of both. The bill the president signed today requires testing of all public school children in grades 3 through 8, expands educational choices for parents of students in chronically failing schools, and provides up to $26.5 billion in funding, a 20% increase primarily for poor schools. The bill brought Mr. Bush into a close working relationship with Senator Kennedy, something he joked he'd have a hard time explaining to his Texas neighbors. The folks at the Crawford Coffee Shop would be somewhat in shock when I told them I actually liked the fella. <laughs> he is a fabulous United States senator. In Boston, the last stop of the day, Senator Kennedy returned the compliment, hailing the president's work on the bill. President Bush was there every step of the way, making a difference on this legislation. Contrary to popular belief, the United States spends more money on education than any other nation on earth. 
more than any other nation or anyone else in the history of the planet. So what are the results? When 40 nations recently took the international math and science test, American students scored near the bottom. America was 28th out of 40. And those are essentially the results achieved by U.S. students in every international test decade after decade now. Why? Because progressive education does not work. The progressive and Marxist ideas have now been so embedded so deeply into America's educational system that few eyebrows are even raised when a candidate for president of the United States says something like this. We have got to deal with the issue of student debt and the fact that millions of young people and not so young people uh, are struggling with very, very high interest rates on their student debt. And what our legislation does is two things. It says, number one, this is the year 2015. And it was great for a very long while that public education meant uh, kindergarten through high school. But today, when a college degree is in many ways the equivalent of what a high school degree was 50 years ago, we have got to extend that concept. And what we have got to say is that every person in this country who has the ability should be able to get a college degree regardless of the income of their families, which means, in my view, making public colleges and universities tuition free. Bernie Sanders makes multiple fascinating points there. For instance, in 2015, a college degree is the equivalent of what a high school degree was 50 years ago. That sentence alone proves the absolute and total failure of the progressive educational system. How has that gone unnoticed? Then there's the free tuition for all. Free is simply the Marxist concept that someone else will pay. The supposed rich, in this case, will pay for kids who aren't even asked to invest their own money in their own future. Whose idea of fairness is that? Karl Marx. Next time, what we have wrought with this 100-year progressive evolution. Where are we today? Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. By the way, we have uh, just, we have 20 uh, different topics now available at glennbeck.com. Uh, they uh, all run about 15 minutes uh, each, and there's four episodes in each topic. They're absolutely free. Watch them, listen to them at glennbeck.com slash serials. Uh, spend a few minutes and learn a lot. Now this, according to the Wall Street, German, uh, Wall Street uh, Journal, German savers are now leaving the security of savings banks. Let's just play this out for a second. Now, this is not about the economy. I want to talk to you about safes here, but let's play this out. Deutsche Bank already doesn't have enough money in the bank if there is a downturn. That's German's biggest bank. Deutsche Bank already doesn't have enough money to cover everything that they are supposedly needing to cover if the thing goes down. People start taking their money out of Deutsche Bank because they don't believe in Deutsche Bank. What happens? It collapses. Oh, well, they could print some more money. Yeah, they could print some more money. That's exactly what they'll do as well. Um, people in Germany, because they've seen this movie before, uh, and they've seen it in their own families with their grandparents, they are beginning to take their monies 
their money out of uh, banks and they are looking for a place to park their cash. It's hard to get a safe in Germany. Same thing in Japan. People are taking their money out of banks and they're they're putting it into uh, into safes. Right now, you can get a safe at a really good price uh, with Liberty Safe. Liberty Safe, number one safe for a reason. They're now offering up to $250 off when you buy a Liberty Safe. You can go to liberty.com and click on my picture and type in the promo code Glenn, and you can save $250. Now, this is a limited time only, but these they're, they're built here in America. They are cranking out over 500 safes a day, and they can barely keep up with demand. Go to libertysafe.com, limited time offer, click on my face, type in Glenn, you'll save $250 for the best made safes on the planet. Of course, they're made here in America. libertysafe.com, use the promo code Glenn and save up to $250 at libertysafe.com. Glenn Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I, I don't know about you guys, but I am so busy reading Furt Wangler. Uh, Shut up. I, I just God. don't have time for almost. I don't know if he's written right anything. So how are you reading it? I <laughs> uh, read music. Voluminous and and the uh-huh. music. I you know oh. listening to the music, you can almost read his mind Shut as up. he was writing it. Shut up. That's what I have found. Uh, we have to tell you about the EPA collecting employee data, data on sexual orientation. This is amazing. Also, uh, John Kerry, it would be much better if the media just didn't cover terrorism so much. Right? Right. A bit if we just didn't know it. about the things that were going on, it'd be a lot easier. Let's just ignore it, and then it won't happen. That's right. Uh, let's go to uh, Nate, who's been holding for quite a while. He said he knows the discussion that we should be having uh, as a country. Nate, help me out. Okay. So, for anyone wondering, the way to get help through a segment is tell Glenn you're going to praise him, but you can't do it in the current segment. you got to wait for the next one. Thank you. Specifically <laughs> 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 this discussion. Um, i just putting some things together in my head, so I'll lead you through the dots that I'm going through. So, we've got possibly the biggest turnout in our lifetimes in election wise in our primaries. No. Um, oh, in the and, primaries, yes. Yes. And we've got the perfect candidate, as you guys have often said in Ted Cruz, going up against a moderate and an all-right candidate in a three-way runoff in the Midwest, and he couldn't win. Now, obviously, this isn't because people don't care. Otherwise, they wouldn't have showed out to vote, right? But it seems like our cares have been fractured. It seems like we're all yelling very loudly about a piece of the puzzle, and no one's stepping back and putting together all the pieces. Well, you guys have to a large extent, especially with uh, things that you've been doing, Glenn, with the Gandhi stuff and all the Martin Luther King and Abraham Lincoln. But maybe that would be best applied to this situation. Rather than making it about a populist, which some people are doing these days and arguing over whether the populist is this or that, he's a populist. He's going to go with the popular opinion. 
he's going to put things out there, and then whichever way the wind blows, that's what he's going to support. That's what he, and he's just going to see his biggest impact where the most people are. So maybe we step through the illusion, which the populist puts up, and look at the people behind the populist and get them to have a conversation and put those pieces together because they all very much care about something. And like I said before, the, the um, wonderful uh, serial you did, um, again, a little religious here. Well, not religious, but you know what I mean. We all, our cares come from somewhere. We believe that we are made in the image of God, created good to desire good things, and that even when we're doing something wrong, it's because we're trying to fill a desire for a good thing with something less. So the best way to speak to those very powerful desires that are coming out in this election is with truth, right? But we need to find the truth that each person cares about and then deliver them the big picture. So, Nate, I, I, I agree with you, but I think what's happened is uh, people have uh, replaced truth with a desire to win. What, okay, now let's talk about that for a second. What is that desire to win? To win what? What, is, what does it mean to win? Doesn't no, I, that mean I, I would agree with you, but I think that desire to win has been uh, has been defined as uh, winning is defined as stopping something you don't want. Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and in a lot of cases that would be it. But if that was the only thing, then when Donald Trump was pulling the worst at that goal then no one would have backed him, but people still flocked to him. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so, because Donald Trump um, sounded like a non-traditional candidate, and they not only want to beat Hillary Clinton, they want to beat the idea of Hillary Clinton, which is just a politician and more of the same. So they saw Hillary Clinton as um, <laughs> the archetype to defeat, but you got to defeat that on both sides, and the only way is you're going to do that is by plain talking, saying what you mean, letting it all hang out, uh, and the press helped out. They never said it, but they helped out by making him look like he was the guy that could cut through all the BS. Mercury. I discussed that Hannity and Bill O'Reilly could leave Fox News if Roger Ailes is out. Hello, America, and welcome to the program. So glad that you're here. John Kerry had a really good idea. He said, you know, if the media would just not cover terrorism so much, it would be really helpful. They do us all a service. That way there won't be any chasms. No chasms whatsoever in a fashion reminiscent of Genghis Khan. This is a quote. Perhaps the media would do us all a service if they didn't cover terrorism so much. That way, quote, people wouldn't know what was going on. Oh! Instead of solving the problem, let's just not recognize that there is a problem. Good thinking. Man, I wish he could have been president. But good news... Maybe he'll be appointed to yet another position by the next president. Ooh. 
That and so much more begins right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, um, I want to play some audio uh, because we're getting a ton of email on this. And I made my statement on it uh, earlier today. And that's all I'm going to say on this. This, quote, feud, this holy war uh, that uh, Sean Hannity thinks that I'm waging against him. Um, and I ask that you don't judge Sean Hannity on this, and I'd love it if you didn't judge me on this too, but, you know, whatever. Um, but if you're a fan of mine, please don't judge Sean Hannity on what he's doing, because as I have always said, (laughs) stop it. As I have always said, we have, uh, strong disagreements with people that we really respect who really think the exact opposite of us uh, at this point? We you, don't have we don't have a good choice, and so whatever. However, there's a couple of things that I do have to correct on this, and I want you to know it. First of all, um, the only one that is going to be responsible for Trump winning or Trump losing is Donald Trump. Donald Trump um, clearly came out at the very beginning. He said he doesn't need, nor does he want. People like me. Um, he was going, his strategy was I'm going to reach out and I'm going to bring all kinds of new people who don't want to vote for Hillary Clinton and I'm going to bring over those people who are voting for Bernie Sanders. That didn't work. And that's who we went after. I know. Yeah. You didn't go after us. Right. That's, that's, that didn't work. We told you it wouldn't work. Um, the polls showed in every single poll except for one that Donald Trump was the worst performing candidate head to head with Hillary Clinton. Throughout the entire primary, right. against every flavor of Republican Correct. opponent, he performed worse. Correct. And the people who were supporting him cherry picked, as they always do, cherry picked the polls that showed him doing well and then said all of the polls against Hillary are either false, fake, skewed or because he hasn't even started on Hillary yet. Um, and so the only one to blame is Hillary Clinton, uh, is Donald, uh, Donald Trump. Trump. For example, Glenn, is it never Trump's fault that currently in Pennsylvania, Hillary Clinton has 36 field offices and Trump has two? Is it, is it never Trump's fault that in North Carolina, Clinton has 30 field offices and Trump has zero is it never Trump's yes, fault he's that been New so upset he hasn't been able to attend to the business? <laughs> oh, really? Campaign. Yeah. Oh, in New Hampshire, yes. seventeen for Clinton, one for Trump. In wow. Florida, Clinton has thirty-four field offices. Trump has one. Wow. Are those? Is that the fault of never Trump? Are we influencing him so much he's refusing to open up field offices in swing states? I want to make sure I understand the theory here because it doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Well, it doesn't make sense, and there's no reason to... to, to It's a little fired up there. I know. uh, If only you'd gotten to me before midnight last night when I read the Hannity thing and then (laughs) posted on Facebook. If only... Oh, darn it! 
It wouldn't have stopped you, I have a feeling. Because it hasn't stopped you yet this morning, and I'm sitting right in front of you. By the way, if you need a source for capitalized words, go to, fat, or go to Pat Gray's Facebook page. Go to Fat page. Gray. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? That's I heard true. that. I mean, if oh, I was going to make a fat Gray. joke, I'd make wow. it about Jeffy. What I'm saying is... He was looking at Jeffy when he said that. <laughs> yeah. That's true, too. Um, anyway, um, so the only person to blame uh, is is Donald Trump. And quite honestly, um, we, we know this because there were people that were fighting for Marco Rubio and that were never Trump, and they didn't win. There were people like us that were fighting for Ted Cruz, and we didn't win. If we couldn't, if we couldn't get the nominee to be Ted Cruz, we certainly are not powerful enough to stop Donald Trump from winning. And remember, Donald Trump knows how to put people in their place knows how to cut through all the media BS, is going to reach out to new and exciting people. In his own words, he doesn't want us, he doesn't need us. It is his failure to make the case. Mm -hmm. He has reached out um, to this show's audience through advertising. I'm perfectly willing to take his advertising dollars. I am not censoring him. I'm not trying to keep him away from you and seeing things. Whatever. Oh, we invited him on the show. We've invited him on the show. Right. Whatever. It's his job to reach out to you. Um, and, and that's okay. And that's okay. I don't believe in him for other reasons, which I got into earlier on today's show. But it's no one's fault if he wins or loses. Period. As Stu pointed out this morning, <clears throat> you are responsible for your own actions. You're not responsible for anybody else's. You're responsible for yours. So the ones who are voting are the ones responsible. Period. Certainly not even the the, the fault of someone who voted in another way uh, in the primary and is now in the general saying, you know what, I can't have Hillary Clinton. I've got to vote for Trump. Those people are not at fault for Donald Trump at all. I mean, the only people who are in fault for Donald Trump are is Donald Trump, number one, and the rest of the people who voted for him. If you voted for him, well, then obviously you do hold some responsibility for the person you voted for. But outside of that, I mean, you know. We have the wrong person running. um, We have, honestly, we had the greatest opportunity next to Barack Obama. I think that Barack Obama, when he was elected, was a miss of the greatest opportunity any president has ever had. If Barack Obama would have been a uniter, not a divider, and would have been a healer of race relations, we would have taken off in a completely different direction, and we would have had a whole new American century in front of us. There could have been a lot of healing. Oh, my gosh. Oh. It would have been the greatest thing that ever happened. I think it will go down as the biggest um, missed opportunity in all of American history. Second biggest is this election. We had a chance to right the ship and go back to principles. We didn't because we just wanted to win at all costs. Um, and so we, we stopped listening to reason and we also let fear play a role. And so we stopped listening to reason. Yeah, all of these things... with your use of the word we here, but I understand. Whatever. Right. So anyway. You're but there in are... In the people. royal sense. Okay, so the second thing I want to say is that... I want to clear something up. I want to play what Sean Hannity said yesterday, just one part in particular that needs to be cleared up. 
play it, please. Okay. Um, here he comes. It's coming. The audio vault is about to open up, and here he comes. And here it comes. He's walking right through it. In He's looking for the S and the H. You need a good like sound He's effect looking. of a vault opening. Yes. But then that would also be in the sound machine. <laughs> the sound machine. And he would, here it is. For the rest of you all out there, let me just say, whether you want to hear it or not, I don't care if you're Wall Street Journal, some people at National Review like Jonah Goldberg, National Review in general, you know, with all due respect... Uh-huh. My, both my kids Stop are me. pretty competitive athletes. <laughs> and we- you, you know uh-huh. that really... Stop it, I, I please. Wanna, I've got I'll things to say. We're going to run out of time. One of the things you learn being an athlete is you got to learn to be a gracious winner <clears throat> and a good loser if you lose. You can't be a sore loser in life. Isn't that driving you out of your mind, though? Would that you drives me out of my <laughs> I mind. I mean, does he not understand someone holding to a set of principles? Apparently not. Apparently not. And some of you people are acting like sore loser, mm. crybaby, bad sports, wow. pick your toys up and go home type of people. Mm. Now, my promise to my audience in March of 2015 was I'm going to give as much airtime to all the candidates on radio and TV and let the people decide. Uh-huh. And, then and they decided in record right. numbers. Please Donald Trump. stop it. And then I said in March of 2016 that I'm going to support the nominee and some of you are going to be emotional. And I knew that this was going to happen. Well, let me just say to all of you, and that includes the commentator class, that includes the Jonah Goldberg class, that includes, you know, radio talk show host Glenn Beck is like on a, it's a holy war for him at this point. I mean, he's he's off the rails, attacking me every day, blaming me for Trump. Okay, stop. Well, no, Uh, I was... Stop, stop. Let me please. I actually had a hard time sleeping last night after that. My son said to me, but dad, just a few months ago, he stood next to you and looked me in the eye and said, I want you to remember that your dad is one of the biggest patriots in this country. <sighs> he said, did he mean that or not? And I said, yes, he did. We are just in disagreement right now, and we're having problems because all of us feel like we're trapped in a barn fire. And so we don't know what to do. He said, have you said things about him on the air? And I, the first thing I heard, the first thing when I heard this yesterday afternoon, somebody came into my office and told me, I said, I want you to go back and I want you to look in the last four to six months, and I want you to find everything that I said because I have to see where this came from. I then, last night, before I went to bed, I read, I I did a search of my email box, and I read everything that Sean and I have written to each other in the last couple of months. And quite honestly, we're pretty hard on each other. But we've been fair, I thought. We were fair to each other. I tried to be. Um, And I think he was trying to be as well. And... But we were hard on each other. That's what you do. That's what you do. Um, And I went to bed. About 2 o'clock in the morning, I got up and I remembered because I was laying in bed. And I'm thinking, what the hell caused this? What has caused this? Because I had gotten a note from the producers going, Glenn, here's what you said on the air. And I've read it all. What's caused this? Then I remembered that Oliver Darcy, who used to work for me, 
wrote something about the media or something over the weekend, and it involved Sean. I did not comment on that. I didn't contact him. I didn't want to be a part of that story. He used quotes from me that he got someplace else. I don't know, but I don't think, I have to go back and read it. I don't think there was anything bad in that. And then I remembered, oh my gosh, I wrote to Oliver after that story came out, and I wrote him a pretty long thing. And, good God, did I say something in that that could have I, I mean, I was freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, did I cause this? I got up and I read the letter, and there's nothing about Sean. Nothing. It's, I actually say, Oliver, you're missing the point, because he was going after the media. You're missing the point. Look for the people who are standing, and not the people in the media, but the people who are at the local level that are standing and taking body blow after body blow for their principles. Look for those people, because that will inspire people. I want to show you, he just said that we are in a religious jihad against him and talking about him every day. Holy war. Oh, sorry, holy war. Mm-hmm. For, the last, for the last four months, I have mentioned him four times. I'm sorry, seven times. In those seven times, most of them were things like, uh, I said he's going, to be, he's, he's going to be the press secretary at the White House if Trump wins. I didn't say that in a derogatory way. I really believe he's going to try to be the press secretary of, of Donald Trump if he wins. And we said in that he'd be good at it. Yeah, he, I think he'd be great. Right. You said, I think this was off the air, why would you trade a radio show for that? And I said, because you've made enough money, you've, you've done your thing. Now to work and have that on, the, on your resume, that you were the press secretary of a president, that'd be a big deal. It's something he believes in. Yes, I mean, yes. Uh, right. Um, uh, other things that I, uh, um, there was Fox news personality precedent for that too. I, I, it, no. Right. Yeah. I also said in the past, one of the seven things that I've said, um, I also said that I thought this was on the exit of Roger Ailes that I thought that Sean Hannity and, and Bill O'Reilly could leave Fox news. And that was because of what was in their contract, right. a key man clause, which I had. And we talked about it, and I said, everybody that I know of, including Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly, could leave now if Roger leaves. That was neither good nor bad. But I want to show you the things um, that I, I think are the worst things that we said about Sean Hannity. So you know, I don't think there's anything bad in any of these. But I want you to decide, coming up in just a second. And now this. A cup of coffee may end up costing you a lot, lot more if you use Wi-Fi at the coffee shops, free public Wi-Fi. Here's what happens. Um, you use that, and people, 50% of consumers at a, um, at a coffee shop with free Wi-Fi will do once a month their personal activities of online banking and email and shopping, sitting there at a Starbucks or whatever. That's not a secure um, uh, hotspot. You're not using a secure network. It's a major risk to your privacy. If uh, identity thieves get your information, they can drain your bank accounts. They can, uh, they can liquidate your retirement funds. They can um, open false credit uh, you know, as you. They'll destroy you. LifeLock. 
Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but if you're one of those 50% of Americans that go into a coffee shop and use the free Wi-Fi, you better have LifeLock. LifeLock, best identity theft protection available. Membership start at $9.99. LifeLock.com. Call 1-800-440-4936. Use the promo code BECK. Get 10% off of your LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership. 800-440-4936. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Okay, I I know that um, sometimes people get mad at each other for misunderstandings and because they're listening to other people lie about what other people are saying. Um, and uh, we went back and we looked at the seven things that we have said about Sean Hannity, and most of them are, are meaningless. Um, they were just commenting on things at the time. There are four things that um, where we got in-depth on something, um, but I want you to hear them so you know, and I want Sean to hear them so he knows exactly what was said. Here, here they are. Let me go to Sean Hannity and what he said last night, because I actually agree with him on some things. Listen to this monologue. You so I, bastard. I, <laughs> you Holy war. Okay, come on, Sean, I want to get through all of these before the bottom of the hour. All right. Go ahead. So these how are do we solve this way. We can either sit here and go back and forth. Sean said that he went on in his monologue calling people crybabies, et cetera, et cetera. And I was very offended by that. But I immediately thought, you know what? I've said things like that about the other side. I have said, I've said things uh, and disparaged people on the other side. And I regret it. Shouldn't have done it. So how am I going to point the finger at Sean Hannity and say, hey, I, you know, no, I did it too. We should stop that. And start to understand that there is one thing that we can come together. There's one thing I can stand with Sean Hannity on and will stand with Sean Hannity on. And it won't be who to vote for. Although I have never said do not vote for Donald Trump. Well, at least not since the end of the primary. I mean, certainly you. Yeah, during the primary. So, yes, I, I have said since the end of the primary, I cannot. But I understand those who do. I really do. I understand why. Okay. Because Hillary Clinton is so bad. So basically, basically that's saying, don't, don't, don't. I'm not going to judge him on that. I disagree with him. Go ahead. Next. We had to beat Hillary Clinton and we warned. And it's not, it's not, if we weren't powerful enough to get uh, Ted Cruz to be the nominee, we're certainly not powerful enough to have Donald Trump trailing by 13 points. No. I mean, if we could, if we had the power of 13 points, it, Ted Cruz would be the, the nominee. nominee right now. You and your math. Yeah, I know. So anyway, so um, it's not us. We agree, Sean, with you that Hillary Clinton is a disaster. And um, and hey, they're the, all like I, this. So please, for the love of Pete, for the love of Pete, there's no holy war going on here. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
program. We're just sitting here in the break talking about how much the world has changed. You know, I remember my father said, um, he was born in 1926, and he said, Glenn, you, you don't understand. We, we didn't, when I was growing up, there was no way we would ever go to the moon. Man was not going to walk on the moon. We didn't have water. We didn't have electricity. We didn't have a car. Man's not going on the moon. He said, and then when TV started, we started watching the movies about space. He said, yeah, but that was, you know, in, in the year 2520. Um, it, it was just not possible. Not possible. And I started thinking about my dad's life and how much he had seen. The world is going to go through even more dramatic change in our lifetime. And that's what you're feeling. It almost already has. No kidding. It it almost has. When you consider the technological advancements since the 70s. I think when we get to... Mind-boggling. Right. But I think when we get to... When, when transportation changes... And it's changing. It's changing. By 2030, it'll be driving cars, self-driving cars. And, uh, and Uber will be self-driving. I mean, uh, people They're already... They're already bringing them out. Uh, yeah. yeah, they are. So yeah. when that all changes, you know, you look... Um, we saw a story today about submarines are going manless and, uh, and also unmanned uh, cargo ships. Mm. That, that's all changing. You're not going to need that anymore. When, when transportation changes, when medicine changes with biotechnology and nanobot technology, They're 2030. Close on that. Close on that. When, when, we can, when we can 3D print your new organ, which we're close on. I mean, they're already doing joints. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's crazy. You remember, Pat, in the 1970s, we used to have exploratory surgery. Mm-hmm. I, my, I said that at one point to my kids, and they were like, what, what? the hell is that? They're in their 20s. You monsters. They, Sorry, yeah, they we're, we're like, going to crack you wide open right now. Just dig around for a while. Yeah, we have no idea what's going on. See what we can find. You might have swallowed a spoon. You might Wait, have cancer. Am I a lobster? You're going to crack me open? Yeah. And they did. And they did. And they did. And they let them. And they would go in and just yeah. peek around. Yeah. Holy mother. That seems like... Are you going to drill a hole in my head for the headache, too? One of the coolest innovations that I've heard uh, involving cancer is uh, it's here, and it's, people are participating in tests right now, where they've taken an, an, another virus, in this case AIDS, and they've altered it so that it, you know, it's not it active. Cancer. It eats cancer. But it's still powerful, and it's, I guess it's the most powerful virus we know of, and it's powerful enough to completely... Eats uh, cancer. Yeah, it, it reorganizes the cancer cell, and it's not cancer anymore. I, I, I mean, that's mind-boggling to Do you me. remember when the Human Genome Project was going to take the next 20 years to be able to fully map? And we were like, oh, well, we'll all be oh. dead by then. And now the human gene, now you swab your mouth, put it in an envelope, and send it in there like, okay, these are the drugs you should have, drugs you shouldn't have. This is probably when you're going to die. It'll be about 2.15 in the afternoon. <laughs> you're like, what the? And it looks like you're 147th Cherokee. <laughs> we were, oh, you know what? that, too? We were just, we were just talking about this. Oh. We were just talking about this on the break. And, and what got us started was 
uh, Pat had said something about this is all the politics of destruction. And I said, no, it's the politics of dancing. <laughs> Ooh, it's the politics of feeling good. good. And I thought to myself, I haven't heard that song forever. I get on my iPad, which we have just talked about two hours ago, how this is nine years old. The, 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 the iPhone. No, the iPad is, is 2009, 2010. Right. The a- iPhone came first. Yeah. And when the, iPhone, when the iPhone had the glass that you could touch... And you could open up the picture. So cool. Remember like seeing that on TV and you're yeah. like, that can't be. Yes. That can't be. That's got to be some sort of. That was crazy. Now we walk up. That was nine class. years ago, right. gang. If it doesn't do that. Ha- yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems amazing to think that the iPad was released during the Obama administration. I know. I mean, it wasn't even the first year. It came out April 3rd, 2010. I mean, that's incredible. You see a movie like Sleepless in Seattle and oh. they get on a cell phone or a, or a portable phone, whatever those things are, and they start holding that. Oh, thing. yeah. What do you got, a brick in your hand? What is I know. that? Oh, thing? yeah. I know. It, they were, what was that, 2000 to 1999? I mean, look how the cell phone industry and, has changed. And if you, like, I have, what is this iPad? Do you know this iPad Pro or something? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have the iPad Pro. Remember when we were trying to miniaturize things? Mm hmm. Now, miniature is like, I don't know that. I want a little bigger, <laughs> and uh, I want to basically carry around. Think of this. Do you remember on my 40th birthday what my gift was from my wife? Yeah, it was a TV. It was a TV. Big it was TV. the first was... flat-screen yeah. Sony television. Yeah. It was 30 inches, maybe 40 <laughs> inches. Yeah. It cost $10,000. And I remember when she gave it to me, I'm like, honey, you got to take this back. That's nuts. She's like, no, it's real. You really wanted one that's real. And I'm like, honey, that's crazy. Yeah. I used to, when, when we first got it, I would take people upstairs to our bedroom and go, you got to see this TV. <laughs> yeah. Remember you came over and I'm like, yeah. we're sitting on the, we're sitting on my bed, on the, on the edge of my bed, just watching TV, me and Pat. Platonically. Going, yeah. Going, yeah. this is, cr-. we were watching porno films, but they were, they were straight porno films. Right. <laughs> and uh, and we were we were looking at it. We weren't even we were looking at the picture, which I don't even know if it was high def yet. Oh no, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. It was and we were looking at the picture going, look at that picture. Yeah. Now my son I got the iPad Pro a few months ago, and my son said, Dad, we could just take the TV off of the wall and you could just carry that <laughs> right, around with sure. you. But that's what this is. I know. Exactly, and it's, it's much much better. Def, it's much better. And, that's and now the baby, now right. the TVs that you can hang on your wall are eighty-two inches or whatever. And 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 I sat here twenty, you know, ten minutes ago now, and said the politics of dancing. Google search politics of dancing. I'm watching the video from MTV mm-hmm. in, seconds. Uh, in seconds. I'm watching it earlier this morning. Um, we were talking about uh, Wilhelm Furtwangler. Who everybody knows, of course, was of course. the leader of the uh, uh, Berlin Symphony. Don't talk down to uh, us. Right? <laughs> back in, uh, during the Second World War. Right. I brought him up. Mm-hmm. You guys went on. You now know about Wilhelm Furtwangler, mm-hmm. not because I told you, but because you guys heard my story. So long. No, right. come on. You guys heard my story. <laughs> you both went on. You both found out different facts than I told. And mm-hmm. Stu just sent me a link to a book about him. 
Or was it's it one he wrote? Nuts. That's yeah. Incredible. It's yeah. nuts. And then if you're interested in the book, that can be yours and you can be reading it in ten seconds. Okay, so on the way seconds for on you. the way in this morning, on the way in this morning, I download three movies about Furt Wongler. <laughs> that there's no way one's from Germany, one's from France, and one's some other thing. And I'm like you would never have been able to know that these movies even existed, uh, right. let alone you would have had to oh, go to some right. weird, creepy part of town where they were selling these, you know, these weird art films. You used to right. set up appointments to watch movies once a year on the television network, right? Now oh, you yeah. just, I mean, it's seconds right. you could watch. Yeah. Remember, Anytime we, you watched, want. we watched the Ten Commandments. It was such a big deal, that and Wizard of Oz. Because you'd only get only to get see to it once, once a year. A year. Yeah. Were you and Pat watching on the bed the movie Furt Wangler? Was that one of the adult films? You were no, he was trying to touch my Furt Wangler. <laughs> oh, no. Really <laughs> oh, no. And I said, <laughs> I'm not calling you Wilhelm either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and to, 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 to point out, too, how far this is and how well capitalism works when you let it. <laughs> Here is... Uh, Ten thousand dollars. What was that? How many years ago um, that you got this ten thousand dollar TV? Oh nine. Uh, uh, yeah, it was no, no. It wasn't even that. Uh, it was. I was four. It was for my fortieth birthday. 40th. I'm uh, twelve oh, years ago. Twelve years ago. So twelve years ago, mid two thousands. Here's a product that is forty, thirty to forty inches is ten thousand dollars. Now you can go to Walmart and buy a thirty or forty inch flat screen TV uh, that is four hundred dollars. Um, the, you, Walmart, I mean, Walmart, Target, they all have walls of them, Guys. way less, and they're way better than way the one better. you had hanging we up. Have, yeah. We have an 80-inch uh, flat screen uh, that, was, that, that you know, has the camera in it that can come up and you can you know, use for, for, you know, for Skype, like Skype and everything yeah, else. Exactly. has all of that. It was $10,000. We waited two years and it went down to five grand. I think you can buy that now for about a thousand bucks, maybe eight hundred. Yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, it's nuts. Go into, you go into Walmart, you see these seventy, eighty inch t- TVs for less than a thousand dollars, and they all have the smart features. You can stream YouTube. You can, you can, and they don't. I haven't seen. You know, some of them might have the cameras, but uh, you know, well, the, I mean, the, the, this just, one was what this one was one of the first one. smart TVs, and we waited. One or two years, and it came down half the price. I mean, people in my neighborhood are still uh, throwing away the old televisions, the old big, heavy televisions, yes. and they'll set it out front with a sign, still works. Nobody wants it. No. The trash guy comes and picks it up. Nobody wants those anymore. They're 800 pounds. Yeah. You can't move them around. The pictures, they're not smart TVs. I mean, they don't have access to the Internet, anything. Yeah, I mean those are gone. History. Remember when the Sony Trintron was a was a yeah. uh, was a something that you told your neighbors that you have a friend that has a Sony Trinitron, and that Trinitron was good for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. It was the 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 leading. That was the benchmark, and the only thing that changed was the style. Yeah. And, and this is like you throw politics out of this because we obviously talk the about politics the, of dancing. dancing. Throw the politics of dancing out of this, and we talk about it all the time. I know, but I mean, this is your hope. This is my hope. These things work independently of the annoying politicians in Washington. If we can get them out of the way of that type of process, we advance health. 
We advance our, our, our the civil. Uh, we are we have more hours of free time than we've ever had in human history. And the other way to look at that is with everything at our fingertips now, technologically speaking, we still chose these two people. See now, now you're you're bringing it to we the still, negative. I was trying to be positive. All the information they can still get away with any lie they want. In fact, in they, the, lie more now they lie more now than they used to, and we can prove their lies in a matter of seconds and do every day, and it doesn't matter. Okay, you just took my positive. Right, and I turned negative. it right into a negative. You did. Yeah, you're welcome. You're the little black rain cloud. <laughs> <laughs> but which would you rather have? Think of this. Which would you rather have? Would you rather live in a place where lies matter? Uh, don't matter or lies lies matter but you're back to three networks no yes. no technology exploratory surgery oh i don't want to go back i don't want to i, I don't want to go back to those times at no all way. these yeah. advancements are fantastic yeah they, they're i mean i i i think that that lies you know we have lost so much uh but we have we have gained more the 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 secret will be can we grow as human beings uh, and regain our our soul um, and coexist with this technology? I'm not sure if we can. My dad said right, right before he died, he said, I feel sorry for you. And I said, thank you, Dad. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> and he said, no, everybody in your generation. He said... I don't know if my generation could have done it. And I don't know any way that your generation will be able to. And I said, again, thank you, Dad. And he said, son, think of the technological advances since the time of Christ. He said, they had nothing that we have now. He said, now think of the spiritual and philosophical advances since Christ. Are we really that much better and I said no and he said until we begin to truly expand the soul and be able to expand as human beings of being better he said technology is going to make it harder and harder for humans to exist I think he's right (laughs) then I killed him um (laughs) My Patriot Supply. Uh, we all know that something big is coming. Well, not everybody knows. Uh, I think you know uh, that something big is, uh, is coming. And I think it's going to happen either before this election or, or after uh, in the next term of the presidency. The, you, look at, you look at what's on the horizon with the, uh, with the bond market, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think we're headed for a collapse of biblical proportions. Our parents, our grandparents survived because of the Great Depression. They canned foods. Well, we don't do that anymore. This is the new way of doing that. A four-week food supply now is only $99. It's 140 adult servings for $99. That's 54% off the regular price. This is the way to do it. It is my Patriot Supply. You can um, call their number. Uh, 800-271-63 or online at preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com or call 1-800-271-63. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. I've only got one minute. Let me take it quickly to Cameron. Hello, Cameron. Go ahead. You're on the Glenn Beck Program. Hi there. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, if, if we get, uh, if you believe in the Constitution and if you believe in the legislature <laughs> and you believe in Ted Cruz, why do you not believe he can get 16 Republican senators to impeach Trump? Uh, what are you talking about? It, it, it's built into the Constitution, the power to impeach. So Yeah, Ted I got Cruz, it. Where? I got would it. Would he not be willing to, to get 16 Republican senators together and impeach Trump? He, well, it so depends what on what... That, I don't know what you're even talking it takes, about. It takes but, a little bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just not... He has to be president. He'd have to be mean, president, and he'd yeah. have to do something impeachable. But then, yes, if he does something impeachable, and I would hope that they would impeach him, just like they would impeach Hillary Clinton, although you would have to agree have with us... more than 16 senators. Yeah, too. that it's a little difficult to impeach. We've learned that lesson. Yeah. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.